Kia ora and welcome to Business Your Way, a podcast where I take you behind the scenes and look at the strategies, systems and support needed to grow and scale an online service business. One that not only supports you and your family financially, but one that gives you the freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm taking the many lessons learnt over the last two decades of running my own business and working with hundreds of clients to bring you what's working now conversations. I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you real stories from real people, including myself. We're going to talk about everything from how to get clarity on your vision, creating systems so you can automate and delegate, how to hire a kick-ass team that creates raving, returning and referring clients. We're even going to talk about how to kick those limiting beliefs to the curb so that you can flourish in your business. I'm your host, Sandra Julian, an Indigenous mama of three, fashion-loving sewist and business strategist. Each week, I want to help you dream big, plan well, and do the work to grow and scale your business your way. If you're ready to scale your business, but you're not sure where to start, you can take my free two-minute quiz to find out your agency owner persona and uncover how you can use your strengths to scale and streamline your business without compromising you and sacrificing your life. You can head over to the show notes for the link. It is sandrajulian.co forward slash quiz. Hey friend, welcome to episode 63 of Business Your Way. So glad that you can join me today. Grateful that you have chosen this podcast to put into your ears. Today, I want to build on a couple of previous episodes. I think that is really smart. I don't know about you, but when I listen to podcasts, I want to hear other episodes that I can go back and listen to that build on the current episode or round out my knowledge on the current episode. So today, I want to build on a couple of previous episodes. One being episode 57, where the title of that was called Client Missing Deadlines Again. In that episode, we took a look at the situation where clients are missing deadlines. You've given them things to do, you've asked them for information, but it doesn't come back to you on time. And I dived in on that episode to talk about how you can avoid that and what you can do to be more proactive, ensuring that your clients are meeting their deadlines. And if they don't, perhaps there's some consequences that you want to employ in order to ensure that the project that you're working on keeps moving at a good pace and it doesn't stay stale and you know six months after it should be completed you're still working on it. And then I also want to build on last week's episode which was titled Why Should You Embrace Simplicity in Your Business? And in that episode I really gave you the contrast of how your business came to be complex. And now that it is complex, you're finding it hard 
to scale or get yourself out of your business and get back some time in your life. So some of the things that uh, we need to do to simplify your business in order to be able to scale and get other people doing the work in your business while you move into leading your business. So if you haven't yet listened to those two episodes, again, that's episode 62 and episode 57. You can go back and listen to those couple of episodes because today we're going to chat about a client onboarding process. Why should you even have a client onboarding process? And what does that really look like? What are the benefits of taking some time to implement a client onboarding process? So first up, why should you have a client onboarding process? Because if you were anything like me, for many years in my business, I didn't have anything that looked like a client onboarding process that I could repeat over and over and over again every time I secured a new client. It was very random and we just got down to work pretty quickly. But in recent years, I stepped back and I took the time to look at what an onboarding process would look like for me and my clients and how this could enhance the relationship, how it could put the project into a proactive mode. So you want to do a client, well you want to implement a client onboarding process because it starts the relationship off on the front foot. It helps you build a rock solid client relationship that sees you as the credible established service provider. The fact that they have already gone through your sales process, likely done a discovery call with you, you've prepped a proposal, they've signed off on that, already says that there is some trust in them engaging you. They trust that you are the right person to get the results that they are looking for. Now your challenge is to live up to that sales pitch that you have delivered to that client. Because what we don't want to happen is that you're really good at the sales pitch and all the marketing speak that gets them to sign on the dotted line. But as soon as they're on board with you, then the rest of your process is a bit lackluster. It is, you know, not delivering how they anticipated it would be delivered. Because if you don't outline how you are going to deliver and how you are going to work together, then the client is only left with assumptions. They are assuming that you will do something, but actually your process doesn't work like that. So this is where your client onboarding process comes in to be really valuable. It's that first impression that the client gets of working with you immediately after they've signed your proposal and agreed to pay you money to get you to deliver the results that they're after. So what better way to kick off the relationship and build that trust than implementing a really solid client onboarding process that says, I've got this. We are a business that really value you as a client. 
and acknowledge that you're a new client. And so we've got to set some ground rules about how we're going to work together. And really, that's what your client onboarding process is doing for you. But there are also some internal aspects to a client onboarding process. It's to ensure that your team understand what this client has signed up for, what is the service package that you are delivering, and you set up your internal processes to get your team all on the same page. So two things for a client onboarding. There is the external aspect where it's building the relationship with the client and it's the internal system setups to ensure that your team are all on the same page and they understand what this client services is going to be and what they've engaged you to do as a team. And during this onboarding process, you're going to be really clear with your client and with your team about the timelines for the project that you have been engaged to deliver and what are the key milestones along that journey and anything else that is key for both the client to understand and for your team to understand. So let's start with the client. As soon as the client has signed your proposal or has signed along the dotted line, the first thing you want to do is send them a onboarding email. I highly recommend that this onboarding email is sent within 24 to 36 hours of the client signing your agreement. And this welcome email is all about getting them excited about working together. And you want to promise them that you are going to give them your very best work in order for you to help them reach the outcome that they are looking for. And then say to them, in this email, I'm going to outline what we need to do in order to work together and let them know that you're going to provide them a few things that you don't want to say sets the ground rules, but essentially that's what the context of your email is doing, is it is setting the ground rules for the relationship moving forward. Now, your welcome email or your onboarding client email is going to look completely different to mine. It's going to look completely different to another business that might do similar things to you. So there isn't really a templated welcome onboarding email that you should send to your clients. So you really have to work out how this looks for your business. But what I can do is I can share with you the elements that go into my client onboarding email. So you can get a sense of how I'm setting the boundaries for our relationship that comes together, how I am setting the boundaries for when they can and can't contact us, and letting them know what they can expect as one of our clients. So let me walk you through our onboarding client email. I mean, it starts with being excited to have them with a client and again, promising to give them our very best work. But we can only give our best work when we let them know what that looks like. 
So we need their help. We need to enroll them to allow us to give our very best work. And in doing this, it's about them feeling confident with how you're going to work together and them feeling confident that working with you is everything that they imagined it would be. So then I start by outlining a few details around the partnership of working together. And I think of my relationship with my clients as a partnership. I'm not just the service provider that they've engaged to do, you know, a list of tasks. I actually like to think that I am partnering with my client. I bring my level of expertise, they bring their level of expertise, and together we make magic. But if you're a service provider who is just doing tasks that the client is asking for, then you might want to frame that differently. You might want to frame it like you're the magician that delivers on their needs, on their tasks. So if you're more of a VA or an OBM and you are helping them deliver their business outcomes, but it's up to the client to deliver the strategy, then you might say something different rather than partnership. But you need to come up with like your own words that describes the relationship and how you see yourself working with that client. Then I put into my welcome email, I break it down into headings. So I put a number of headings into the email, which makes it super easy to read. So these include what you can expect from us. So then I outline, I've got one, two, three, four, I've got five bullet points that outline what the client can expect from us. And then I have another header that is what we will expect from you. Because again, I see our partnership with our clients as a two-way communication style. I have expectations of them and I let them know what they can expect from us. Again, it sets the ground rules. So let me give you an example of like one of these bullet points. I say, what can you expect of us? And I let them know, you can expect to meet with us five times for one hour in lead up to your event. And the number of times, it depends on the client event. So some clients will get 10 meetings, some clients will get five meetings, some clients will get eight meetings. It depends on what's in that agreement for service that I have signed them up with. So I take that particular item from our service agreement. So again, it's reiterating what we have already agreed in our contract. I let them know how they can get support from us. So they can get support via email. And what is our reply time? So I let them know, you can contact us by email. You can expect a reply within 24 hours, except on the weekends. And so I've, I've got a list of things that I let them know what they can expect from us. And then I get to the list of what will be expected of you. And it's things like, I expect you to show up on time to our meetings without distractions because there's nothing worse than a client turning up five minutes late 
and they look as though they're clearing their emails while they're trying to have a conversation with you. That's really annoying because you're not getting the best from them and you can't do your best job when you don't have the best from your client. So, you know, showing up on time without distractions might seem like you shouldn't have to say that. That is what we expect, right? When we set meetings with clients is that everyone will turn up and they'll be focused on the meeting. I don't like to leave that to assumption. I like to actually put that in my welcome email. And then we ask them that they do their best to complete all of the tasks by the agreed deadline. Now, if you've been and listened to episode 57, that episode was all about getting clients to complete their tasks by the agreed deadline so that you can continue to move forward with the project at hand. Fortunately for things like events, the deadline is the event date and that doesn't get moved. It's a hard and fast end date for a project for us. But that doesn't mean to say that our clients miss deadlines. What that does for us, it compounds the amount of work that we have to do in such a short period of time. So I say, you know, you have to do your best to get tasks done by the agreed deadline. I ask them to pay their invoices promptly and on time as per the agreement for service. So again, I don't assume that that's what will get done. I reiterate the terms of our agreement for service. And so there's a number of other things that I put in there. You know, one of them being that they give me 24 hours notice if they need to cancel or reschedule our agreed meeting. So we have agreed meetings put into the calendar and I ask that they give me 24 hours notice and not just on the day or a couple of hours before unless, you know, obviously we can't predict what's going on in people's lives. So sometimes that is just out of our control. But, you know, where we do, where we can give grace, we should. So there's a number of items that I put in the email. It really enforces the behavior that I expect from them as we're working together. I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favor. If you are loving this podcast and this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend. Or even better yet, to jump over onto Instagram and share it on your stories. Don't forget to tag me, I'm sandrajulian.co. That really is the best way for others to find out about this podcast, and I thank you in advance. Alrighty, back to the episode. And then my next heading within the welcome email is all about communication. This is really big, and this is where a relationship can really fall down, is if we don't get our communication right, and we really aren't clear about how we're communicating. So in the communication guidelines that I put into my welcome email, It's got four headings, availability, scheduling of meetings, the meeting duration, and the meeting location. And then I outline, you know, should they need to reach us in between meetings, then I'm available Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. And that might be different for you, um, but I also state 
that we won't respond on weekends or public holidays and that you know if they email us on those days they can expect a reply from us on the next business day. So being really clear about what they can expect from us and when they can communicate and what time frame we will reply to them. So our availability in working together sets the ground rules for when we communicate with one another. It lets the client know that we're not working on their project 24-7. And then I let them know how they schedule the meetings. So earlier on in the email I said, you know, together we will have five one-hour meetings, and that varies. And then I let them know how they can schedule the meetings. So I give them a link to my calendar where they can look at my calendar and schedule in their meeting. I usually only do this for their first meeting. So I let them find a time and schedule in their first meeting. I have a consistent approach with my meetings and that all of my meetings are one hour. Highly unlikely that meetings with clients go less than an hour because there's usually lots to cover. And so I say, you know, that I want to respect everyone's time and I will aim to keep our meetings to time for the agreed duration. And that it's important that we stick to our agenda and that we have an agenda for each meeting. And then I let them know where our meetings will take place. So now that we are post-COVID, meeting via Zoom is just so much easier. But if we weren't meeting by Zoom, then where would we meet? And where is that meeting location? So those are the things that I outline in our communication guidelines. And then I get them to set up our first meeting. And I put the agenda for our first meeting in the onboarding email. And I let them know, here are the things that we need to cover in our first meeting in order to start the project successfully. And I think it's really important for that first meeting for you to spend some time getting to know each other. I know during the, you know, the proposal phase and during that sales phase where you're inviting them to work with you, you are getting to know them a little bit. You are finding out about the project, what's important to them and what kind of time frame that they're looking at and what success looks like for them because you're putting that into your proposal. But in your kickstart meeting, you really want to make sure that you spend some more time getting to know the client and for them getting to know you. So this is where we do some introductions. So it might be reintroductions around the role you play. And that's especially important if you're bringing another one of your team members into this first kickstart meeting with the client. You might be handing the project off to a project manager or to a project lead in your business and they don't get involved until the client has signed on the dotted line. So this first meeting is them getting to meet your project manager and for your project manager to get to meet the client. So do some more introductions. Who are you? What is the role you play? And 
what does success of this project look like for you? And then get everyone on that call or in that meeting to share that information. In that first meeting, I also like to reconfirm the objectives and the desired outcomes for the client project. I want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and that we're all working towards those objectives and outcomes and that we're all clear around what success looks like. And then once we do that, then we go backwards and then review each area of the delivery of the project. So this might even be identifying um, milestones and agreeing on the key milestones for what is important for both of you. And then the final thing that we do in our kickstart meeting is we set the dates and times for all of our meetings, you know, leading up to the event. So for you, if you're not, you know, doing events and you're doing marketing or, you know, even if you've got ongoing clients, so you've got retainer clients, then if you've got a monthly meeting with that client, set the day and time of that monthly meeting with that client right then and there and then put them into the calendar. So they're reoccurring monthly meetings. If they're twice a month, do that. If they're weekly, do that. But establish the cadence for those meetings. And then end your email on a really positive note. And let them know, you know, if they've got anything that they want to chat with you about before the kickstart meeting, they can reach you by email. If that's your preferred choice of communication, which you've told them about in the onboarding email. So this onboarding email, it sounds really long, but it is quite condensed and it really just establishes how you want to have the relationship with the client. It puts you on the same page with them and it gives them their next first steps. So the next step, book some time in your calendar and have your kickstart meeting. Then once you have done the external onboarding with your client, the next thing that you want to be do is set up your processes for the new client. So we operate out of monday.com. I love monday.com. It is my project management tool of choice just because it's so customizable, it's really visual and it's really appealing. I I just can't look at a list of same 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 tasks. So I like to have something that is pretty and that I can color code and that I can, you know, use colors in my project because I'm a visual type person. So if you're a visual type of person as well, then you might want to check out monday.com as a project management tool. So in our project management, I have an onboarding, a client onboarding board as they're called in Mondays. And in here, once the client has signed their contract, I've got an automation that sets up all of my client onboarding tasks. And these are all of the things that we need to have as a team set up for every new project. Now, this is going to be different for you. And depending on what your project is, the other tools and pieces of software that you use, and really just what's included. So as an event management company, 
we've got, you know, our own tech stack, if you like, of tools that we use to manage our events and manage our business as a whole. So one of the tasks that we do is to set up a zero project because that's where we track our time for each client project and we track the expenses against the project as well as the time that our team spends on a project. So we have a new project for every new client project. And then I set up a kickstart meeting with my team. So that's one of the tasks in the client onboarding task list is set up the internal kickstart meeting. So then everyone involved in this project, we get to talk about the project, what's important for the client, who the client is, and all those good things. We then set up our document repository folder. So we use SharePoint with a tool called Sweet Files to save all of our client documents into. And we have a whole system that we use for saving our documents relating to our client projects. So we have to set up that new folder for that new client. Or it might be a returning client, but the new project still needs a new folder. So that is set up. So when my team need to save a document, all of the folders are in place and we can just go ahead and put that document into the right folder. So then everyone in my team knows where to find the documents that they need. We create a client project board in monday.com and that client project board is customized to the services that we're delivering for that particular client. The milestones are put in, the timelines are put in, due dates, and tasks are allocated to people. It's all done in monday.com so we can ensure the delivery of that client project on time. Internally, we use Zoom as our preferred chat channel. So you could use Slack or something similar, but we use Zoom and we have a chat channel for clients. We don't put any tasks in that chat channel, but we do have just, we use it for randomness really um, about the client project. So I can't even give you an example off the top of my head. It might be just to ask one of the team members, hey, have you seen this document? I can't find it in this folder. But if we were assigning a task to a person or if we were wanting to have a chat about a task, we'd actually do that inside the Monday board and not on our Zoom chat channel. So the other couple of things that are on our onboarding internal systems board is to one, send the Kickstart email to the client which is what I just talked you through before, and set up that first meeting with the client. So you've given the client the link to set up the first meeting. Once that first meeting has been scheduled, then you can tick that off the client onboarding task list. So these tasks, you might have different things on there, but take some time to work through what are the tasks that you need to do internally So you can manage the project efficiently and delegate the work to a team. You don't manage the project itself 
in your onboarding board, you just manage the tasks needed to onboard that client. Then you move from onboarding into the project management board for that client. I hope that makes sense. Again, if there is anything in this episode that you want to ask me about or you want to go over, then there's a link in the show notes for you to reach out via video or via text or even just leave me an audio message. So anything that's come up about this client onboarding process, then jump in, send me a question, and I'm more than happy to answer. So that's my onboarding process, the internal and the external, that puts both my clients and my team on the same page when we get a new client, once they've signed up and agreed to work with us. So if you don't have a client onboarding process in your business yet, I would highly recommend allocating maybe just a half a day and think through what are the things that you are doing now when you get a new client and how can you streamline that and improve it so that you can then hand those tasks off to maybe one of your team. But what you want to make sure is that the way that you onboard your new clients is consistent because consistency is key to scaling our business. We know how we onboard clients. So every client has the same experience and that we're not having to remember, oh, what's that client's experience? Oh, what's that client? And they're different. And then clients come back at you with different ways. And you're like, why is this client emailing me on the weekend and expecting me to reply? Because you haven't outlined how they communicate with you in your onboarding email. And then you have to follow that up. And it becomes really uncomfortable when you know, halfway through the project, you need to say to a client, um, sorry, but I don't answer my emails in the weekend. I will respond to you, you know, on the next business day. Not to say that you don't have to remind clients of that, but when that happens and they don't get a response from you, then they go, oh, that's right. I read that in their onboarding email. They don't work 24 seven. That's not the client's thought. But, you know, at least they go, oh, well, I know that if I send this now, I won't get a reply until Monday or Tuesday, but that doesn't stop them from sending it. But it does stop them from looking for that urgent response from you. So being clear about those ground rules of how you work together with your client is super important. So there you go, your client onboarding process. I highly recommend that you have one of these in your business. If you don't have one, spend about half a day looking at what that might include. Look at how you can automate some of these client onboarding things. And it's just by having templates, having tasks lists in your project management tool. So you're completing the same tasks every day. The template to your client is a template which you can just fill in a couple of blanks and off it goes and it doesn't take you a lot of time. You're not writing that email from scratch every time. This gets consistency. This improves the way the clients work with you. It improves that client relationship and 
you know, all round, it's just a really good process to have in your business. I can't believe that I had so many years without an onboarding process. It's like, how on earth did I do that? And when I look back, I'm like, oh, that's why I was so stressed. That's why there was no boundaries between me and the client and how they communicated with me and what they expected from me. Putting this onboarding process in place creates boundaries, boundaries by which you and your client can work together. And that is super important. Having the boundaries, communicating the boundaries and enforcing the boundaries keeps your client work enjoyable. It keeps everyone on the same page. We're really clear about how we work together. This episode is a little bit longer than I had initially planned, but I covered quite a bit in this episode. If you're not sure where to start with your client onboarding, then again, just use that link in the show notes. Send me a message. I am happy to you know, respond to your message and point you in the right direction so you can get started in putting your client onboarding process into your business. Before you go today, I want to thank you for being here and listening all the way to the end. All the links to this week's episode can be found in the show notes and you can read a full blog of the episode at sandrajulian.co forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button and get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like to reach out to me and chat about anything on today's episode or any of the previous episodes on the podcast, then I've got a link in the show notes so you can leave me a voice message or a video message. I really do look forward to hearing from you. Alrighty, have a productive week and I will talk to you again real soon.